so I know you're going to love him. Martin, welcome. Thank you. Sorry for my notes. Well, nice to be here. Uh, I've come from, uh, I live in Stafford, which is somewhere kind of northwest of here, sort of out there, um, and uh, had a lovely drive down here today. So, yeah, and I've been here before. I've been, I've been, I've been among your church in different ways uh, over the years, so it's really, really lovely to um, be back with you. And a few months ago, um, I was chatting with uh, Nikki about this, about, about the series you're doing, about people who, um, in the Bible who are inspiring characters in the Bible. And uh, she said, oh, which, what would you be your character? And there's a number of them. But there's, um, for me, it's this uh, guy in the Old Testament called Elisha. And I really, really like Elisha. And, I've, um, and so we were talking about it, and she was, we were doing a, a recorded Zoom thing about it. And um, so I was talking about Elisha. And I said, I said to Nikki, you know, I, one of the things I said was, I've always wanted to be like Elisha. I've always thought, I'd love to be like that, but he's way too holy, he's too brilliant, he's, too, he's kind of unattainable for me, but I'd love to be like Elisha. I don't think I ever could. I don't think I could ever have his guts or have his faith or, I don't know, his integrity, all these different qualities he's got. But as I was saying that, I had a bit of a moment saying that to Nikki because I thought, even as I was saying it, I thought, oh, maybe God is saying to me, Martin, I would actually like you to live like Elisha. So it's a bit of a profound conversation I had with Nicky about it. I, even thinking about coming here was, yeah, he's unattainable, but as I had this conversation, I felt God say to me, Martin, why not? Why not live like this? Why, why think that this is too far away? With my Holy Spirit in you, why not be transformed so you could be the kind of person you would like to be? So I'm on a bit of a journey on that, and um, uh, as Nicky said, I've uh, just stepped down from a role leading church, and I'm stepping, and I haven't got a job to go to. I'm not retiring. Uh, that'd be lovely. But, yeah, there's a, a lack of pension. So um, <laughs> I'm not retiring. But, no, I'm excited about it. So I'm just stepping into. What am I stepping into? Oh, my goodness. I've got some things I think God has laid on my heart, and I'm going to be pursuing them with everything I've got. But I think as I talk about Elisha with you, I think I would just want to live like Elisha. And I want to be like I want to be led by the Holy Spirit to whoever or wherever the Holy Spirit wants me to be. Hang out there for however long, do whatever He tells me, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. So that's my plan. Is I've left the role of leading a church to live like Elisha, I suppose, and and see what happens. So um, what I'm going to do is uh, on on this image here, you can see. It's quite hard to see where the, 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 the beach or the sea meets the sky. And that's a kind of deliberate image. It's a nice image for me. It's an important image for me. It's a threshold, a liminal space. Where does heaven join with the earth? I just kind of sometimes think, oh, I'm not quite sure where it is. Because I can tell I'm on earth and I can tell I'm in heaven. And, and that's what I want to bring to you is, is Elisha seems to be someone who is really rooted on the earth in, in regular everyday life and exciting everyday life and hard and difficult, sad everyday life. He's very, very rooted. He's a prophet, but he's rooted. But also, there's these incredible miracles he does. He sees heaven opened. He has incredible personal experiences. And then in his ministry, he brings amazing experiences to other people. So he stands between heaven and earth 
in the kind of things he does, the conversations he has, the life that he leads. And I think that's why I want to be like Elisha, because I want to be really rooted, because I love the earth, I love the world, I love people, I love stuff, I love the whole thing. Uh, and I also want to be absolutely surrounded by the atmosphere of heaven so that I'm in both places. I want the best of everything, actually. I do, I do. I don't want to just go off here and float in some cloud somewhere and kind of, I don't know, I don't know what that's meant to be like forever. I th what I want is this and that all together. I want the whole lot. Um, and I know that Jesus uh, carried around in himself the whole lot and he's got the whole lot right now and he's always going to have the whole lot and we're going to join him in the whole lot. So um, Elisha seems to represent that really, really nicely for me. And just some qualities that I'll probably thread through. There's a number of qualities around Elisha, but there's something about the way he lives, which um, some, some sort of, I, th I think some psychologists might call, he's a non-anxious presence. He's someone who, doesn't mean he's just without ever any anxiety, but he, he in, an, in an anxious system, whether that's a family or whether that's a political system or that's a wherever there's anxiety around on the earth. He's someone who walks into that anxiety and somehow he's not anxious and then he brings his non-anxiety to bear in this difficult place. And uh, there's three qualities that there's a, there's a certain, um, I think called family systems theory, a certain way of looking at um, anxious systems, whether it's families or groups or communities, whatever. And for an, uh, uh, a non-anxious presence, there's three qualities. These three qualities, and we'll look at these three in the life of uh, Elisha, are to be differentiated, and I'll explain this as we go on, to be differentiated, to be regulated, and to be engaged. I won't explain that now, just there's three words for you, but I will explain it as we go on. And I want to be a non-anxious presence who is differentiated, regulated, and engaged. So um, what I'm going to do is look at, there's, there's loads of stories of Elisha, it's in, in Two Kings, uh, the book, early, early Two Kings, you'll see loads of stories. I'm just going to take the first four stories, quite rapidly, go through the first four. Well, the, there's an introduction, which is Eli Elisha, um, Elijah, his, the kind of guy he's following and works for and serves, goes up to heaven, really amazingly, it's, it's extraordinary. And um, Elisha experiences the anointing of the Holy Spirit on him really dramatically. So I'll, I'll ignore that bit, but you can have a look at that. Just um, 2 Kings, chapter 1, you can have a look at that, it's an amazing story. But then he's on his own and he starts his life, his ministry, um, and he, these are the first four, so it's kind of, I just picked the first four. Um, but Quite interesting because you can see in these first four these qualities and I'll hopefully share with you why I would like to be Elisha as I read these stories. So the first story is in uh, uh, 2 Kings 2 and uh, it says this. One day, verse 19, one day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. This town is located in pleasant surroundings as you can see but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. Um, 
Jericho, you'll have heard of Jericho, famous, famous city in the Bible, isn't it? It's actually the, uh, it's seen as the oldest city in the world that has continually been occupied. There's maybe some a few older cities that are now ruins, but Jericho has been an occupied city longer than any other city in the whole world. The reason, I think, for that is it is very fruitful. It's amazing. It's very hot, and it's got tons of water underground, and so it's the most fruitful place. It's just got loads of date palm trees everywhere. It's an amazing place. And now it's become a bit of a holiday place for the rich people in Jerusalem. They buy very expensive holiday homes in Jericho, go there for the weekend, have a nice time. So um, it's like Frinton. We just heard about it. <laughs> it's basically a bit like Frinton. Okay? Um, behind the gates. It's that nice, nice bit. Um, and uh, so it's this really lush place. The water is bad. Now, the water is, the water is amazing. That's why it's, it's so brilliant. The water is bad. Elisha gets called in. Now, one thing that fascinates me about this, Elisha, prophet, Elijah has done all the prophets of Baal thing, quite a sort of spiritual, religious thing. But Elisha is called not to do a prayer meeting or not to kind of, you know, do, uh, bring a prophecy or do a Bible teaching thing or anything like that. He's called because there's a sewerage problem and a water problem in a city. It's got nothing, you know, most I don't know about you, Pete and Nikki, whether you're, most church leaders are pretty useless at practical things like that. I think you might be brilliant at it, okay? But a lot of church leaders are really not good at DIY plumbing. This is a plumbing, pro- an actual practical plumbing problem, right? In a city, it's a, it's a town planning issue. It's a, what, it's a geologist uh, issue. It's, um, you know, it's civil engineering. It's all that kind of thing. Uh, what's gone wrong with the water? Elisha is brought into something that is, outside of what you'd normally think as a spiritual remit. Is there anyone here who is involved in civil engineering or um, utilities like BT or British Gas or anything like that? Is there only one person involved in, in, gosh, gosh, you're a genius. Thank you for being, thank you for looking after us. Man, we need E.ON and E.D.F. and British Gas and B.T. and Virgin and all this sort of thing, don't we, to, to run our lives. Really, really. And I like this because Elisha is called into the most practical, the most, this is important stuff, but it's not spiritual. It's not spiritual at all. It's just really practical. Although people are unwell and there's infertility problems. There's, there's a whole load of awful things that are going on. Elisha is called into that. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he then says, bring me a new bowl, some salt. Uh, they must be worried because just down the road is the Dead Sea, and that's like a really unproductive place. It's horrible, full of salt. It's like, oh, my goodness, you're not going to put salt in this, are you? Because that's the worst thing. Or maybe it's the best thing. And I don't know if he's using his intelligence. He's thinking, oh, I've just tested this water. I've used a, I've, I've put a little thing in it, and it's come up green or blue or something. And I, oh, I need to put some salt in that. It's like a hot tub thing. Yeah, it's just like my hot tub at home. Um, I don't know if it's practical or whether he's listening to the Holy Spirit says some salt or whatever or just whatever. But anyway, he does the right thing. And it's amazing. What I love about this is he is called, we are called into everyday life. Okay? Filled with the Spirit, not for prayer meetings. Filled with the Spirit because of our neighbors and our friends and our family and work. Filled with the Spirit for our world. Yeah? Of course we want to be exercising the Spirit in our prayer times, in our worship times, whatever. That's to build us up so we're filled with the Spirit in other places, isn't it? And, and there's other stories, we won't go into them, but there's stories of there's, there's a stew that has gone all poisonous and he, he has to sort out the cooking, you know, because uh, that sort of thing. There's a, there's a, they're doing a big building project and then a, one of the tools goes, goes missing, he has to kind of get the tool back. He's, um, he's often involved in things that have got nothing to do with spiritual life, 
They're really practical. But in the power of the Spirit, he walks in to these things and he's engaged in it all. He's kind of doing something. I just encourage you, don't separate your, you know, the, the heaven and earth, but don't go, oh, it's all about the heaven. It's not. It's all about heaven on earth. It's all about where you live, who you're chatting to, your neighbors. It's all about your work. It's all about your families, your in-laws. It's all about your kids. It's all about that. That's what life's about. It's not about kind of up in the, up in the air stuff. It's all about that. But what we do is we stand between heaven and earth. We're like lightning conductors because we're filled with the Spirit. So we have the wisdom of the Spirit or the power of the Spirit, the healing, whatever, the insight, whatever it is from the Holy Spirit for these things. Amazing, isn't it? To think that we might use the gifts of the Spirit at work when we're, whatever it is you do, well, obviously no one here is working in utilities and anything useful, I don't know what uh, the rest of you, us do, but um, uh, yeah, whatever it is at work, I really like that about him, and I like the fact he's, he's got stuck into this, he's, um, yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's not so spiritual, even though he's very spiritual, that he ignores real world, in fact, he just throws himself, he's engaged in real-world um, stuff. Now, um, the next story uh, is, uh, it just comes straight after it. It's a weird story. Then, Elisha left Jericho, went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. <laughs> no comment. No comment on the front row for those who are watching online. No comment. You can just see the lights reflected off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Elisha turned round and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From, from there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. It's just the weirdest story. It's weird. Because it's, um, it's one of those stories where, well, well, there's a number of things going on. He is, um, he is mocked and he is jeered. And so just, just think about that for a moment. He's been called into being a prophet. Some people say the reason why um, he's got a shaved head is because of his vows and stuff he's taken and he's deliberately trying to look poor. And so that might be the case. We certainly know he's been appointed. What they, what they literally say is go up, go up. And go up is what Elijah had done. He'd gone up to heaven. It's basically we don't want you here. Get out of here. We want you away, dead, gone. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. They're mocking him and jeering him for who he is and who he's been called to be. That is what does that do to your emotions? When you are jeered and when you are mocked and people don't want you, get the hell out of here, he says, they say to him. So that's horrible. That's horrible. So he's handling all that, and this is about the emotional thing. How do we handle the stuff, the opposition? How do you handle things that, that go wrong? You're called and then the second story in of your ministry life is a bad is not a good story. It's people don't want you. Oh, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe you may be saying, oh, maybe I got it wrong. That's what I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Did I get it wrong? I've just left church. Did I get it wrong? Ah, I've got nothing to, you know, where, what am I stepping into? In summer's all right, but September, what am I stepping into? I don't know. Did I get it wrong? You start questioning, did God say this? And it's horrible. And then you kind of get all unconfident and then you don't do what you're meant to do. Or people are horrible to you and then you get angry. You get angry at yourself, get angry with God, angry at them. You know, all that stirring up, it's all in him. Um, some commentators go, well, this is like a, a bunch of youths. They're like hooligan-y type youths, and, and there's a 42 of them. Although it does say in the actual text, it says little youths. That's a bit weird. There's these little boys who 
get mauled by some bears. It's horrible. It's weird. I, you know what? I can't explain away the story. I don't know. I, I, I can. I've, I've read a load of stuff, and I can explain it quite easily. But having said that, it's, an, it's, um, it's bizarre. Um, it's a bizarre story. You know, some stuff in life we just don't understand. Where's God in this? Did God send bears to kill some kids? That's weird. That doesn't fit, does it? He wouldn't do that because God is really good. And yet this is all, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here in the story. I don't know what's going on in life. Elisha probably didn't know what was going on. I curse her. I didn't mean, I didn't mean you to go and kill them. It, it, it doesn't say that God killed them. It doesn't say that Elisha killed them. But they did, they did get mauled. Was he going, oh, no, I shouldn't have prayed that prayer. I shouldn't have cursed. God, what are you do? I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes there's awful stuff that happens in life. It's awful. And what do you do when someone is ill? I was just talking to um, Paul and Claire, and we took out, when they were in Uganda, we took out a bunch of people, big team, lovely family team, lots of ages, and there was one family there. And right at the end, as this, uh, the mum came back, she had a headache. Uh, and within a few months, she had died of a tumor on her brain it was just tra- it was awful leaving two kids now today i've got to rush away from here because lauren her 26 year old daughter is getting married amazing amazing she was 13 at the time lauren's been through this awful time losing her mum. awful 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 time how do how do we face that how do you know walking with that family through that great time in uganda amazing time for jane who died it was the fulfillment of a dream her. She was riding high in what God was going to do in her life. She was just about to start counseling. She was running all our small groups. She was so used in our church. Amazing, amazing woman. Got taken out by the enemy. Of course, God also invited her, but she, it was a, you know, it's a vile death. How do you handle this? How do we handle stuff that goes wrong? How do we handle then stuff that goes right? And there's a wedding coming up. How do you handle it? I'm standing in the middle of good things and bad things, and you must you must be doing that as well with your family and with your friends. Elisha's doing that. He's on a high, it's good, God's anointed him, and people hate him, and then kids have got mauled, and I don't understand you, God. I don't understand what's going on. Oh, my, my heart. Uh, someone who's not anxious is um, not only are they, they're engaged, they, they're regulated. Okay, 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 I'm trusting a new God. I don't understand why this has happened. I've got some explanations or whatever, but actually deep down, I don't understand emotionally. I don't understand. I try and make it work there, but it doesn't work in my heart because I've just lost this person or this has just happened. And I've been through that in my life personally. I've seen many people go through that as well. And we stand, we stand there. That um, Firm Foundation song was great for that. Really great for it. Really helped me, actually. As I was, was worshipping there, I was just reading the words and really helped me. I've got no full explanations for stuff that goes on in my life or stuff that doesn't. <laughs> but standing in the middle of it all between heaven and earth, going, oh, okay, God, okay. I've been really hurt, or this has happened, or this has gone wrong, or whatever. But okay, God, you're with me, and I will trust in you anyway. Even though I don't understand you or it or me, <laughs> I'll trust in you anyway. And I'll let you touch my heart so my heart doesn't go wild. So I don't do things wrong. I don't get over emotional. I don't say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, hide away, run away, or run at in anger. No. Okay, God, help me. Got that? That's that, that's, um, that story. Next one is a longer story. I won't read it all. Um, it's basically completely different. He then gets called. It's, it says... Um, there's three kings who are kind of reigning around the place, the Jehoshaphat and um, Joram. There's, there's, um, 
there's, a, there's these three kings, and uh, there's, a, uh, there's a horrible king uh, in Edom, and it's like, oh, they're all ganging together, and they go, oh, gosh, we're really threatened by this king. What are we going to do? And what are we going to do? And so one of them says to Jehoshaphat, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? He says, well, there's this bloke who used to work for Elijah, and, you know, he's pretty cool. He's a bit bald, but um, pretty cool. Uh, oh, let's get him. Let's get him. So they call, uh, they call um, Elisha. Elisha says, why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel, go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here, only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says, this dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You'll see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You'll have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. This is the only simple thing for the Lord, but he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You'll cut down the tree. Anyway, goes on this big prophecy to these kings. What I'm intrigued here is Elisha is hanging out with very powerful people who don't like him or his God. They don't even believe. They're, they're not believe. I mean, they've kind of got a half belief. They don't, they've got pagan gods. They're on a different page entirely. And he's frustrated with that. They're on a different political scene entirely. But he's called in with these three very powerful people to help them with a massive national, international issue of war. It's huge. This is huge. And he's brought in. How about that? And I'm thinking, oh God, is that, part of the, is that part of what you want from us? Yes. Are you ready to be brought in to some significant conversations, to some people who are wielding a lot of power? Humble you, humble me. Are we ready for that? Then he says, bring me a harpist, bring me a musician. And, and then there's a bit of music going on, and then he kind of prophesies. And what happens is these pools get filled with water, and the enemy goes, oh, it's just loads of blood. They must have all fought each other because they're so horrible. They just killed each other. Let's go and get them. They go and get them just stupidly, and then they all get killed. That's the way the story goes. It's a genius, stroke of genius on God's part. Um, now, it, I was with um, Pete and Nicky a couple of weeks ago at that um, prayer breakfast that got in the news when Sajid Javid, he says, oh, it was the guy preaching at the prayer breakfast that made me think, hey, I ought to resign. Do you remember, did you read all about that? Um, and the guy preaching, Les, brilliant guy, uh, did a, did a re he read it, he'd written it, read it, it was really good, it was just, um, it told some stories, he's got a lot of integrity himself, he's an older guy, he's just, you know, got a lot of gravitas about him. He was there, called in to speak to power, and he did it with um, just such grace, he did it with direct stuff, it was with confidence, it was really good. And, and, um, yeah, it was really great. I don't, it wasn't like um, it wasn't shout. It wasn't like suddenly everyone was kind of wailing and moaning and going, "Oh God, convict, you've convicted me. This is amazing." It wasn't that? He was just speaking this talk. He was doing this talk in this hall. Then what happened is a cello started playing in the hall. Like this deep cello music, just it just started echoing in this ancient hall, and everything went really quiet. And then the guy who was doing the doing the worship, Andy. He'd, he'd kind of written, a half written a song. He started write, singing this cry, this lament that was going, crying out to God. He was hitting this high note and it kept hitting the ceiling and then coming down again. This cello's going on. And then he would do it again, crying out like a lament. I'm in my, in my stomach, in my spirit. I'm going, oh God, what is this? What's happening in the room? Everything is still in the room. I'm going, oh, this is, a, this for me, I'm going, this is the moment. 
something is happening in this room right now. And I, I have grown and I know when the Holy Spirit is moving around. And I knew he was moving around then. I know God has called me to spot when the Holy Spirit is moving around and to tell other people, which is why my book is called This Is That. It's exactly about that. So I texted this guy, Andy, as it was finishing. I said, Andy, that was fantastic. Thank you for doing that. I think that was the holy moment for this morning. Now, Sajid didn't refer to the cello, the harp, whatever. He referred to Les. But I think what happened when Les had spoken and it was all kind of in your heart, and then you got that moment, the Holy Spirit was moving in people's hearts, amazingly. You've got worship and you've got the word, you've got, you've got creativity and you've got rational thinking and well, well thought out prose, and it all comes together at once. Man, the Holy Spirit's in the room. And then something happened. And then there's a kind of house of cards moment, isn't there? And everyone starts resigning and the prime minister's gone. It's all a bit weird. And I think... I think it came because of the Holy Spirit. Just like this story. Just like this story. And there's Les, regular Les Isaac. There's Andy Flanagan, regular Andy Flanagan. In this kind of, food is a bit rubbish, quite frankly. <laughs> the muffin was too big and too dry, uh, the breakfast muffin. But that was, a, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I don't think anyone knew what was going on. It wasn't people weren't saying, oh, when the music played and it was, oh, the Holy Spirit came and touched my heart because they don't know that. It doesn't matter if they don't know that. They're going, Les spoke and I decided. The Holy Spirit spoke through Les and through the harpist and suddenly everything changed. Now, just be ready for God to call you into situations where, and, and see if you can partner, bring together the creative and the rational, whatever we, you know, the, the, the policy the policy stuff, so there's, you know, the, the, the kings, we're looking for a policy on what to do with, uh, you know, how to deal with these, with these other enemies. The policy and the creative, bring them together. Say, if you're more creative, get together with the rational. If you're more rational, get together with the creative. And let the Holy Spirit use you with people who otherwise they wouldn't be in this room right now yet. But he might use you with those people. And I send you in the name of Jesus to those encounters. Those of you who are more creative, those of you who are more rational, logical, I send you in the name of Jesus so that you would do what God wants you to do. Now, what I notice is Elisha doesn't then go, oh, great, I'm just gonna, this is going to be my ministry now. I'm just going to hang out with all these people. He does actually end up with lots of kings, lots of powerful people. There's other stories with kings and stuff like that. One king hates him and wants to kill him. That's a bad story. Uh, another king sends his enemy king, sends someone to be healed by him, and the guy who's healed by him wants to kill him, but then doesn't, and then it's all brilliant. Um, but he spends a lot of time with powerful people. But he doesn't, when I say he's differentiated, he doesn't see himself through the eyes of, oh, great, I'm now one of these people. Um, uh, I'll, uh, you know, this is doing me good. I'm it differentiated means I am me, regardless of what people think of me. Regardless of me wanting to be like them, oh great, I'm hanging out with the prime minister or whatever. No, that's not important. Jesus didn't hang out with them. Jesus, Jesus was called to the, all Jesus did. He didn't spend all his time in palaces. He spent, he spent his time with regular people. But if he needed to speak to Pilate, he spoke to Pilate, didn't he? You know, bang, amazing. But he didn't, it's basically Jesus was completely differentiated. Didn't mind who he's speaking to. It's a Roman centurion, it's a leper, don't mind. Um, don't, don't get drawn by the needs of the poor. You're so empathetic that, oh, I've got to help, I've got to help, I'm driven to help. No, we're not driven to help. We're just called to serve by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I can get driven to help. You know, it's like, oh, I want to help, I've got to do this, got to do that. My empathy thing is kind of into overdrive. Hey, that's not good for me. 
That's going to overwhelm me. I'm going to go, um, or, oh, I want to be with these powerful people, and that's, that's my pride. That's no good. That's no good. I'm going to make some wrong decisions if I'm motivated by that. So be differentiated. If God calls you to be with some powerful people, if God calls you to be with some unpowerful people, just do what he says. But be defined by who the Holy Spirit says you are. You can go into palaces if you want, if the Holy Spirit says. You can go into little, you know, hovels or whatever. We might be the opposite of a palace is. I want to be right across the spectrum. I want to be sent to people who've got power, and I'd like to be like Elisha, and I'd like to prophesy, and I'd like to spend my time with people who have got no power whatsoever, and I want to love them and care for them. And so, um, yeah, that's that story. Final story is uh, this one. One day, this is right at the end, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha, that's his community, and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. That's a good question, isn't it? Really great question. What can I do? You tell me. I want to help you. You tell me. Fantastic question to ask anyone, anywhere, anytime. Really good one to have just in your wallet. You know, go, oh, I think I'll use this question today on the bus or at Tesco. You know, you say, what can I do to help you, sir, madam? It's a brilliant question. And she, tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So here, he's not with kings, he's with a widow whose sons are going to be taken into slavery. Opposite end, but he gives himself to those people as well. We've got to give ourselves to the powerless. We've got to hang out with the powerless. We, whoever we are, we've got to serve people who haven't got much. It's what Jesus did. He gave everything up. We've got to do this. Elisha goes from up there to down there, but he's cool with it. He's cool with it. But it's horrible. It's like, oh, you know, the panic. My, my sons are going to get sold into slavery. This is horrible. What would Elisha, his heart be beating? Oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. He doesn't go into rescue mode and like, oh, I'll, I'll fight this guy. I'll, I'll have a fight with him because I'm pretty cool and I've got my harp and whatever. And we'll, you know, knock him out with some worship or whatever. He doesn't do that. He goes, okay, what have you got? What have you got? Because uh, the Holy Spirit's going to work in you, not in me. The Holy Spirit's going to work in you. So he's kind of empowering this woman. What have you got? Well, I've got some oil. Okay, and then, then he says, don't do this on your own, because again, this is good for us, good for Elisha. He's a, he's, a, he's a lone prophet, but he's not a lone prophet. He's always got, he seems to have an assistant with him, and he's part of his gang. He's part of a church. He's part of a community. He's always with his community. And here he's part of his community. So he says to her, go to your community. This is done in community. Go to your friends and neighbors so they can get in on the action. They can help you. Then they're going to be part of this miracle, is his kind of whisper. They're going to be amazed. They're going to go, it was my, my vessel, my flask that made this happen. Everyone is going to be part of a Holy Spirit miracle, an amazing miracle. So um, what he does, he says, you've got to get to other people. You've got to make yourself vulnerable with other people. You've got to ask for help from other people. I've got to ask for help from other people. I'm stepping out. I've got no, I haven't got a job to go to. I know I've got to ask for help. I've got to be vulnerable. Go, can you help me? Can you help me? And trust that God will use other people to help me and look after me. I don't want to do that. I want to be proud. I want to be shut away and proud and not need anyone's help whatsoever. 
because that's my fallen nature. God's saying to me through this, no, you've got you've to you've ask for help from your friends and neighbors, Martin. And then what happens is this amazing miracle, and um, there's enough to pay off the debt. There's enough to, for them to live on. To live on for how long? I don't know, till, till the boys are old. That's a lot, isn't it? With the prices of oil now, it's a bit easier. That's a lot of oil. That's a, it's not just, oh, people brought a few Tupperware things. I think it's like there was just hundreds of gallons of oil. Like she became the oil magnate mogul of her city. It was amazing. Enough money to live on. That's a lot of oil, isn't it? And everyone's part of that story. What a beautiful story. So um, just going back to those three things. Um, being differentiated, not being defined by who you think people think you are. <laughs> whether they've got power, I want to be like that, or whether they haven't got power, and um, you know, do they like me, don't they like me? No, just be who you are in Christ. That's enough. The Father really loves you. The Father really loves you. He really loves me. I don't need to be senior leader of a church for me to serve Jesus. I can give it up. And it was in that thing here, that thing, leader's thing here, where there was the putting down of the crown. There was that word about taking off your crown. It's really powerful. Take off whatever status you've got and lay it down. See what it does to you. <clears throat> you know, be differentiated. Okay, I'm not defined by that. Be regulated when all the bad stuff happens and all the good stuff happens. Oh, it's great. You know, and I'm on cloud nine and God's really great. Oh, no, it's bad. And you're up and down. I don't want to live like that. It's exhausting living like that, isn't it? Be regulated. Just allow the Holy Spirit to regulate your heart and say, oh, God, this is what's going on in my heart at the moment. Help me, help me, help me. And then don't run away, but get stuck in. Be engaged. Throw yourself in to the poor to the rich, to the powerful, to the plumbing problems, to the spiritual stuff, to the practical stuff. Get stuck into the enemy, get stuck into the anger, get stuck into the sadness, to the grief. He goes, he goes into the next story, it's a beautiful story, and then a, uh, his friend's son dies. That's awful, it's awful, but he gets stuck in, he goes right in there, and he doesn't know what's going on, he can't really tell, and his heart is obviously beating, and he's concerned, and he gets stuck in, and he stretches himself out, and I notice he throws in the salt, and he throws in the flour into the pot, and he throws a stick into a river, and he throws himself on this boy's uh, body. He just throws himself in, mind, body, heart, and soul, gives himself fully to this thing. And then it's beautiful what happens. So I'd like to pray for you, if I may. If, you, if, you're, if you're up for it, you, can you stand with me? And I'm just saying, this is the, I'm, I'm re-beginning my journey at the moment. I'm saying I'd like to be like Elisha. And I guess you're all in different places, different jobs, different families and whatever. So just for you, you yeah, I don't know you, but you know your situation where you live and who you live among. You know what? You can live like Elisha. You can be like Elisha. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I pray in the name of Jesus for the same spirit that came on Elisha when Elijah went to heaven same Holy Spirit from thousands of years ago to rest on every single person in this room. The same anointing to live between heaven and earth, to fully live at home and with friends and at work, to fully live in the midst of difficulty and ill health and despair and all the difficult stuff, to fully live in joy and weddings and birthdays and golden anniversaries and celebrations, to fully live when there are prizes and successes to fully live. And in the midst of that, to see what you're doing, Holy Spirit, and to run in there 
and serve you and serve people. I pray that you would rest on us in a fresh way to be like this, to enjoy our lives as those who are called by the Holy Spirit to serve Jesus. So that we don't, uh, I just pray for anyone here who's not enjoying their life at the moment. It's not going well. They don't, uh, they're not ha- deeply not happy with their lives. And I pray your healing. I pray your reassurance. I pray your beautiful, kind, lovely words to those people. That you would reassure them and you would once again bring life and hope into their hearts. That they'd be okay about being alive, about who they are about their personality, their character, their situation. They'll be okay. And I pray you'd anoint them to live in their lives, how difficult they may be at the moment, but to live faithfully. And I pray you'd turn things around in such a way that there is an overflow of blessing and goodness. Come Holy Spirit, that we would be a non-anxious presence wherever we walk, wherever we go, wherever we live. Come and fill us so there's an overflow and that many, many people would experience the joy the justice, the peace of the kingdom of heaven through us. Amen.